So this is it. This is actually happening. Uh, I is guess it? this is this is how it's going to be. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I think this is how we're starting it off. So uh, welcome all of you. This is Alex Explains It All. My name is Alex Labot, uh, former reporter and anchor for the news, and now uh, I've been demoted to a podcaster. <laughs> um, Don't think of it as a demotion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's not a demotion because I got you, ladies and gentlemen. This is producer Seth. Um, he's Hello. gonna be he's gonna be by my side on this on this venture. And this is going to be uh, an explainer for the world around you. Uh, music, television, entertainment, uh, all the things that you care about. Uh, I'm going to sit and I'll give you my spin on it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit and spin, so to speak. I'd probably need to work. I'd probably need to script these out. That doesn't sound safe at all. Yeah, I probably need to script these out. <laughs> um, so throughout the week, we'll have different topics and subjects uh, ranging from everything to politics to video games. But today... Today we are going to start it off with a subject I cannot wait. This is going to be worse than politics. Uh Oh, it is. It is is divisive. Uh, We are starting the first one with a movie that will be coming out this week. So this is a movie, Producer Seth, that you have been waiting for for years, really. Well, I I guess you could say, yes, I've been waiting for it ever since it was announced. I wasn't asking for it. <laughs> I don't think anybody really was, but you know, you hear that it's coming out, you'll go, "All right. Let's just go." Ghostbusters, a movie that producer Seth holds near and dear, will be releasing this week, and we are here to talk about why that is such a bad thing. Now, look, I know we have friends that are die-hard Ghostbusters fans, but I don't think I know anyone as big a fan as the man sitting next to me. I mean, you, this, this is your childhood. Absolutely. I, like I've, I've always said, and you know, of course we'll touch along a lot of stuff, but there were three things that make up my childhood. Ghostbusters were definitely the first because it, uh, the movie came out in 84, which mm-hmm. I was one. So I definitely probably didn't see it. Till much, you know, till I was a little bit older. Been watching the movie since you were one year. Absolutely. Went to the theater. Parents took me. Everything. Cartoon, probably, you know, everybody remembers the cartoon. Yeah. That came out in the later half of the 80s, which is probably closer to when you were born. Because yes. I know you're a few years younger than me. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say I'm 33. You can... Release your age if you uh, feel appropriate. I was born on Mardi Gras Day in 1988. I am named 88. So I'm, I was 83. I'm named after Alex B. Keaton on Family Ties. Uh, middle name is Michael uh, because Alex B. Keaton was played by Michael J. Fox, who, and I'm just realizing this as I'm talking to you, is the star of my favorite franchise. So, yeah, the Back to the Future trilogy. Another joke for another time. Another joke for another time. But, uh, so yeah, Ghostbusters obviously being the earliest for me. Definitely made up uh, a large part of my younger childhood, especially the movies, the cartoon, the toys. I had it all. So yeah, it, it was it was the first. Now, and and we'll get into it, but there are those that are releasing this movie that are basically telling you and others like you to grow up. Oh, it's part of your childhood. Well, you need to grow up. Right. Mm, pretty much. That is a huge problem. What what 
You know, Beyonce says that girls run the world. There are a lot of people that may argue who really dictates a lot of the things that we enjoy. I am here to make the argument that nerds and geeks are probably the most predominant up-and-coming culture that we have. Probably, and I will, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say since 2007, since the release of the iPhone, there have always been geeks and nerds, but the shift to technology and comic books and video games really started around that time, and it's just getting more and more evident, I would say. It was probably before that. Yeah. You know, I mean... It's been a slow uptick. Go before I go before iPhone. Look yeah. at the iPod. Yeah, age. it could have started back then. Yeah, two thousand what? Two thousand one. Yeah, I believe yeah. that was a year when when Apple made its huge resurgence. I mean, come on, it was down for the majority yeah. of the nineties and just came out of nowhere. So, so, so just that, yeah, just that, and that was probably when when did um the first one? I mean, not the first comic book related movie, but when did Spider Man? Yeah. What year was that? Well, it's going to be, and this is odd how I remember this. It was around 2001. Yes. Because I, the, the right. first trailer for the first, first Spider-Man right. had. Yeah. It is. I don't it, Go and look this up on YouTube. But the first trailer for the first Spider-Man has, if I remember correctly, a spider web in between the Twin Towers. Right. Because it, it, there was a uh, helicopter that was trying to escape, had some criminals in it, and it stopped. It was caught in that web. And the dramatic zoom out was that the web was spun in between the twin towers. Yeah, so it that kind of for me is how I remember because I remember seeing that in a the theater and going, "Oh my god!" Because that, that was the te- and that shows you how close because that was the teaser trailer for mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, and then it was released. Couldn't have been long after nine eleven. Yeah, because the point you know it was banned, and then the movie came out. So, so this this resurgence of geek culture has happened, and we have. What I feel is a person trying to capitalize on it, but isn't a person that agrees with or identifies with that culture. And it's it's Paul Feig. Paul, Feig, Paul, I think. Feig, I think Feig. Right. right. So what, behind uh, Bridesmaids and a lot of other very successful, very funny movies that a lot of people liked. So we're going to call him knockoff Tim Gunn. So now, and, and now, to be fair, I don't want to just say it's him. It's obviously no. the people behind him. A lot of people, so, a lot of co- a company wants to profit off of this. So, the, and this is you can look this up. This was, um, if you, if you can remember this, Sony had their their uh, information hacked, and a bunch of things were released, uh, and you know, interpersonal emails and communications, including talks about the Steve Jobs movie. Uh, I know that they were looking at Christian Bale to play, portray Steve Jobs. But one of the things that was leaked was the communications about a new Ghostbusters movie. Absolutely. Including some emails with um, both Bill Murray and... No, it might have been just Bill Murray. That I think that actual communication or, or emails referring to him were in a lot of those email hacks. So, so the, this movie has been in the works for a very long time. A very long time. Harold Ramis was still alive. Um, mm-hmm. And and the person really holding back the third movie was, in fact, Bill Murray. Right, because Dan Aykroyd and Ramis and obviously Ivan Reitman, the original um, 
producer slash director. I don't even know if he was a producer, but the, the guys that made Ghostbusters happen were all on board. And obviously Bill Murray being who he was at the time and who he still is, they want him wanted him on board. And he really didn't show any interest in it. And we can now understand why. Um, but at the time, I don't think it was anywhere near in the the idea of what it has become. So for the longest time, I mean, you have people who have floated this franchise. Uh, and it, it's what geeks do and, and nerds do. And people are very passionate about projects. Um, they didn't let it die. You can go to any convention. And I mean, there are there are squadrons of Ghostbusters and, and local Ghostbusters affiliates. Uh, and these people go out. They go to parties and children's birthdays. They make their own films. So this is a very passionate crowd of a lot of charity of events too. A lot of charity. A lot of charities. Um, and so there was enough of an interest for people to say, "Okay, we'll make another one." And when the cast was announced, it really came from again Bill Murray because he said. You know, no one wants to see a bunch of old white guys running around in a movie anymore. I think the people that should be in this movie, and he listed some of the stars of this new one. Yeah, I think specifically Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Yes. For sure. I remember because, I mean, obviously, old SNL, you're not going to, you're going to get good people from, from, from SNL and Melissa McCarthy had already um, not coming from SNL, but done a lot of good stuff. I mean, yeah. she is was at the pinnacle of um, her comedic rise into film and, and TV, and obviously she had success from uh, was it Mike and Molly? Mike and Molly. Mike and Molly. Well, uh, that's that's my dog in the background. I don't know if we'll cut that out or not. Um, yeah, I have a a, a Wolfie filter. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, so this conversation happens. Bill Murray says. If we're going to do this, I want it with this group of people. And I'm going to state it right now. In no way, shape, or form are the opinions and the criticisms that I have, specifically, and I know producer Seth has, it's got nothing to do with the fact that the cast is predominantly women. That's got nothing to do with it. The problem, and we'll get into this, is the fact that any criticisms made about this movie are taken by those involved with it as, well, you, you're just unhappy because you don't like the fact that it's, a, that it's an all-female cast. It is a calculated effort to divert the criticism, to say, oh, it's, it's sexism, it's racism. It's much easier to say that than to, than to try to defend your movie and to try to defend just content writing whatever whatever may be flawed to, in the movie to try to defend what is rated as the worst youtube trailer of all time all time i mean my gosh so they got that going for them um and if you look at some of the things that are being said they aren't they aren't just they are just attacking the group of people you should be trying to win over they are actively turning turning that audience against them. They went back and added a scene to this movie oh. to make fun of the people criticizing this movie. Yep. 
Which that uh, that takes a lot. That not only takes a lot of work. That takes resources and money. That is unprecedented. In <laughs> I don't think that anybody's ever done that before. That is a ballsy move for a movie that is very centered on women. That takes balls because you have to corral everyone and get them back together and say, these people are being mean, so we are going to make fun of them. And it, it just does not make a lick of sense. I would think if you had such a bad reaction to the trailer, you would go out and start defending it and saying, I'm going to win over every single fan of this movie that does not believe that it can be just as good as the original. But I, and I will say this, I don't think anything that comes out related to the original Ghostbusters movie is going to be better than that movie. Uh, Well, you know, we're talking about that. We believe it to be bad. Let's start talking about why all the telltale signs, what is making us feel like this movie and what, not just us, but you know, a lot of the, the people that are criticizing the movie, why we think it's going to be so bad. It started with that email exchange and it had nothing to do with making sure they paid homage to the original to focus on the good points of what made the original what it is today. And when we talk about Ghostbusters, I mean, this this is not only, it's not a nerd movie. In general, this has been rated one of the best movies to come out of that time period. Absolutely, it is. It's it's not even a, a cult classic. It is just a classic. Um, you can look up. I mean, if you haven't if you haven't seen the movie, that's kind of surprising because it's it's one of those movies that even if you're not a huge nerd or fanboy like we might be, that anybody and everybody can find something about it that they enjoy. It's just generally a a um, enjoyable movie, but. To call it, uh, you can look up reviews uh, on the internet. Um, I don't remember the one in, in, in particular. I don't remember the name of the guy who did it, but there's a guy who did an in-depth analysis. I'm talking like 45 minutes of this movie, talking about why it is so good. And he, you know, hit on points that I hadn't even thought of. And this movie's been out for 32 years. And and he was he was mentioning just classic film tropes that made the movie as good as it is. So one of the things that really stuck out at, at the first it gave the first inclination that somebody should be worried if they're going to go see this movie. It's oh, it's they're going to be all women. They're, now 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 to, now to be fair, why would that worry? Because. Like you said, Bill Murray was was down for the idea. I mean, when I heard that, it 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 didn't it didn't register to me because I'm like, okay, fine. Like you know, you know, you know, they call all these people. Oh, it's just it's sexism. I thought it was an interesting idea. I was like, that's that's and that's what I thought. I thought it's an interesting idea. I said, cool. Let's see where they go with it. The issue was was that there was nothing to coincide with that. It was, they're all women. And? And there was nothing. 
the entire this entire movie is banking on the fact that these are women in a leading role and that's it and you know what it would have been fine in any other movie it would have been fine in any other movie that's why bridesmaids did so well but the issue is is you took something that people have been loving and have been waiting for for another sequel and they said oh well they're going to be all women and that was it and this this entire process has been yeah they've gotten quote unquote feedback from fans by bringing in people in ghostbusters outfits and teams of ghostbusters from around you know the united states and probably around the world but that's all marketing the feedback is the worst rated youtube trailer of all time feedback is people vehemently saying what you're showing is not funny people upset at the fact that you have four women and you're making them stereotypes and if you think i'm joking watch the commercials watch the trailers and you can read the script because the script has been out for quite a while about a year almost a year now um it and it was obviously taken with a grain of salt for the year that it was out because obviously rumors are rumors leaks are leaks but as the trailers came out as some uh early showings came out even though there's an embargo on reviews which we'll talk about later um people would talk about the movie and kind of and hit on key points and it turns out that that leaked script from long ago was oh so accurate <laughs> it's uh, it's what's funny is so often you get somebody saying oh i've got the i've got the scoop as far as what's going to happen in this movie and so often that's not true it's just fan fiction but as things have started happening, it's a, and I, I, I did it myself when it, the commercials came out and the trailers came out. Every time I saw a new thing released and it was in that script, all I could say was, oh no. Oh no. Because it was just closer and closer to, to matching everything else. And without, I mean, we, we might touch on some of the spoilers. We don't want to ruin it for anybody that actually might want to go see it, and that's fine. But my goodness, it—we're not—we're not ruining anything. I'm just gonna say that they ruined that the minute they—they they said cut print. No, because I don't want to. I want people to make the decision themselves. I want yes. to um, inform them as much as I can before they decide whether yes. to go see the movie. Absolutely, but. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who might genuinely be interested. I don't know why they would be, but. <laughs> and, and and the reason we wanted to talk about this is because this is something that we're both passionate about. I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of the films. When they re-released it theatrically, we actually went and saw it and enjoyed it, even though we had seen the movie countless times. Because that, we didn't, we had never seen it in on the big screen. Yeah. We were too young or had not been born yet. It, so it was it was a very exciting feeling to feel like you were seeing it when it was released originally. And now now that this movie is coming out, we're dreading it. It is so I brought this up to you 
And we'll get into this, but the name of the movie is Ghostbusters Answer the Call. And they have been secretly tweaking and renaming the movie to try to differentiate it from the original movie. And this is another issue. This is a reboot. This is a remake. This has nothing to do with the original movie, but it's got the original members. This movie doesn't know what it wants to be. Now, let's backtrack because we we discussed this earlier before we started the podcast. Um, you had mentioned to me that they had renamed the movie, mm-hmm. but you did not tell me what it was. You're saying that the name of the movie now, the actual name, I mean, it is being marketed now as Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Yes. So, branding, everything is changing. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. Hashtag, I think the hashtag is Answer the Call. I want to say they have amended the name of the movie to to be Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Now, when did this happen? Now, we are, we're recording this on Sunday. When did, because I was not aware of this. this must no, have no one is. No one's been aware of this. Uh, this has been, this has been slowly happening. Uh, I would say over the last week to two weeks that the marketing that they've been doing, um, they have been calling it Ghostbusters answer the call. And, um, you would think that this would have been a decision that was made before Friday. Because it's going to come out yeah. when, you know, we're recording this on Sunday, uh, Friday the 15th, yeah. if you decide to go to the midnight feature. I don't know <laughs> why you would, but the 14th. Um, but yeah, they, they are they are remarketing and rebranding this movie. And that's another issue, is that this movie is coming out, and half of the merchandise is merchandise for the original film. That, that, that does not make sense. It makes sense. For making money, yeah, it's the same reason. Now, like you mentioned, we we saw the uh, when they re released the, the original that was about a year ago. Mm-hmm. They did it again for two nights back in June. That's a that's that's goes to show you that they're still trying to attack, they're still trying to piggy, piggyback or ride the coattails of the original, the branding of the original to push along the new one you and you said it the other day and i thought to myself that's probably the best way to phrase that is they're they're piggybacking off of the original movie and it's it's confusing this is a very confusing movie from everything that i've seen every review and and i'm going to try not to spoil things but you have to understand it's it's bad from a fan of Ghostbusters, but it's also from everything I've seen and from everything we've seen. This is just a bad movie, period. Writing, pacing, directing, the special effects, everything about it is just a garbage fire. You know, we we watch we obviously watch a lot of films and whoever listening probably watches them. I mean, everybody loves to go see movies. Yeah. Trailers are what that is a deciding factor. You see a trailer and it makes you either want to go, it either pumps you up and makes you want to go see the movie or you watch and go, "Mm, I'm not that interested. Perfect example. We were talking about it for the podcast. One of our favorite trailers. Well, I won't speak for him. One of the trailer that I love the most because you watch it and from the, the, the scenes that they show to the music they play, 
makes you want to see that movie. You're like, this is the next big thing. Uh, I don't know what year it came out, probably within the last 10 years. Clash of the Titans. It was a remake. It had Liam Neeson and it had Sam Worthington, the guy that was an avatar. Mm-hmm. And they had this wonderful trailer that featured an instrumental version of a song by The Used called The Bird and the Worm. Just pumped you up. It was great. Now, if anybody saw that movie, you know that it was a pile of garbage. Yeah, Crash of the Titans. It was horrible. It, it was not good. It was not good. And it, it is indicative of the fact that that sets the tone for how much they care about what they're marketing. I, I It is one of, and the, the reason I say it is because the minute he started talking about it, I immediately knew what he was talking about. And I have two trailers in recent memory that define what it's like. I'm going to say three now. Um, and we can get, we, this is a whole nother topic and a whole nother show we can get into, but um, I'm going to say Civil War. Civil War. I dropped my phone after the initial reveal that Spider-Man was, because I had forgotten because yeah. you, because he had been removed from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So when they showed him, I dropped my phone because Spider-Man is, as far as comic book heroes are concerned, is my absolute favorite character. And so I was so excited. The feeling that you get, the Dark Knight trailer, I cannot tell you how many times I watched. Star Wars Episode Seven. those are franchise films that release trailers that evoked such excitement and emotion. And then you have Ghostbusters. The first piano keys are hit. Trailer starts. I'm immediately got tears welling up because yeah, I'm going, nostalgic. Boom, oh right my there. God, I love this. A piano instrument, instrumental version of the song showing the city of New York. Oh, man. I really, really, oh, my God, a, gro- a ghost is throwing up in Kristen Wiig's face. That <laughs> really sums up for me this entire process. Oh, man, they're bringing Ghostbusters back. I feel so nostalgic. And vomit, like within the first five <laughs> to ten seconds. The the special effects are just, it is Hollywood at its worst. The special effects, okay, coming from the, the visual effects background, they are okay. They're not, they're nothing special. They're not terrible, but they're, they're not groundbreaking. They're, you know, they are cookie cutter type stuff. I think somebody made an example that they're roughly, they're a little bit better than what was in the Frighteners back in the nineties with Michael J. Fox. Yeah. They roughly had the same idea of what ghosts look like. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. It reminds me of the commercials for the general auto insurance. That's the quality. They're not, they're not that bad. Okay. (laughs) Um, um, But if you want to talk about special effects, Let's let's harken back to a franchise that I feel has gotten it right. Episode 7, part of their marketing strategy was really reinforcing the fact that they were going with practical effects. They built, they built R2. They built the Millennium Falcon. They built all of these different things and brought them on film. And you felt like this is something that exists in real life. And that's what was interesting about the first Ghostbusters was that they did a blend of special effects and it still holds up. 
that library scene still freaks me the hell out because it's very well done. It is. It is. It is scary, and it is. Pra- it was a well. It was a practical effect. Yeah, it was a practical effect. But now, to to be fair, those were the effect. That's they were using the technology that they had back then. Yep. So had they been, you know, would they have used uh, the visual effects that we are capable of? You know, we always give credit to those movies, mm-hmm. but they were using the height of technology, the peak of it back then. So it's hard to criticize when a company will continue to use the peak of, t- of, of visual effects, which is, you know, CGI. Yeah. Well, and it's a blend. I, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt that they would have used the same techniques today. Um, a good a good example of that technology with the wrong mix. Uh, episode one, the Yoda in episode one before they went back and remastered it was a puppet, and it looked horrible. <laughs> he, he looked he looked like a Yoda that had just gotten out of rehab. Like he was a little cleaned up, um, but it just and they. It was people looking at and talking to a puppet. Probably one of the best parts about the original trilogy, one, two, and three, or not the original trilogy, but the prequel trilogy, yeah. which is saying a lot, is probably Yoda, and it, it was done with CGI. So, and I know we're getting off track, but mm-hmm. uh, effects in bringing you into the world really can can make or break a movie for you. And this movie is is broken. I mean, you've got Melissa McCarthy, who, albeit, has lost a lot of weight. But her her character, and this is, is a spoiler for any of you who might be wanting to see the movie, she's obsessed with wontons. Leslie Jones, who is on SNL, who I find to be uh, a Tracy Morgan wannabe, um, is a stereotypical black woman, and I'm I'm very upset by that because the original Ghostbusters had an African-American team member. And for some, it's some of their favorite team member. It's Winston. And, and played by, um, oh my gosh, how, how, how do I not remember his name? Oh, you're on the spot now, but. Yeah, but he is huge in the uh, the convention realm. He's one of the only ones that honestly continues to go to all the cons mm. and support the whole Go Ghostbusters theme. And like you said, he is kind of a crowd favorite. Because he was the everyman. He was you. Yep. We're not the scientists. You know, they had these three PhDs, but he was the everyman. So he was the one that it was honestly the easiest for, to relate to. If there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe it. Anything, <laughs> anything you, you say. Anything you say. Gosh, that relates to everybody's that, life. That, that is the modern American. If, if there's yeah. a decent paycheck, I'll believe anything you tell me. And so... Winston was a guy that he was brought into the he was brought into and onto the team, and you, there were you didn't bat an eye. And from the trailers for this new movie, the jokes are slapsticky and bad and loud. And there's the reason the original worked was because all of the character the characters were smart, they were witty, they had things to say and banter, and now. Watch the commercials. They're one-liners. They're just... Uh, from what I heard, the funniest part of the movie is not even one of the Ghostbusters in this new one. It's Chris Hemsworth. Yep. 
Yeah, like you, you mentioned that he that he was probably the sole reason for laughing at all. He was the only he was the comic relief because, but of course, it goes to the whole. There's a whole now belief that this whole movie is a. It's actually sexism the other way around that it's yeah. actually bashing men because the 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 handful of male roles are all negative. Um, yep. He's supposed to be the dumb secretary type character, but like uh, you know, we watched a couple of you know there there, there were a few. Um, we'll edit this. Hang on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there have been a few uh, early showings of the movie. And there's a few people out there that have seen it, and even though there's an embargo in reviews, they're talking about it. And one of the big, and talking about how Chris Hemsworth's funny, but you touched on something that was that was that I wanted to expand on. They are the original was so good because they weren't in on the joke. This movie, they're they are so obviously in on it. They are parodying. It's a parody of the brand. They are so in on it, they went back and reshot a scene where they read, I want to say YouTube and maybe even Reddit comments about how those Ghostbusters suck, how the female team is horrible. They actually added that scene in to call attention to the criticism, which if that many people are criticizing you, there has to be a reason for it. And... They, I don't think, I don't think the director and producer and the marketing team behind this new film realizes what they're doing because I know so many people who are making it a point to not go and see this film. It's time will tell. That that's what it comes down to. There are projections as of today. Because here's what here's what it comes down to. It's all about money, obviously. If the if the movie does not make enough money, it's a flop. To compare, okay, we'll go back to '84. Movie came out, um, and I have the numbers in front of me. It cost thirty million to make the original Ghostbusters, which seems like, and it, it, it was low according to today. That's roughly seventy million, which is still very low yeah. to make a big blockbuster movie. Which I don't even think it was considered a blockbuster back then. Probably no. not. It was a comedy. I think. I think it was. It was written to be a bit of a, a mixture of comedy and a little bit not really horror, but it was very interesting. Now, the new one. Budget of one hundred fifty-four million. If it does not have an astounding opening weekend, then it's 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 going to exponentially go down from that point. Yeah, because the opening weekend is really the telltale sign of how well this movie is going to be. If it pulls in, if it does gangbusters, if Ghostbusters does gangbusters at its opening weekend, then it will it will warrant. A sequel or or what have you. It's got to bring in Marvel level opening weekend stuff. We're talking about over a hundred million to to get it because once the movie comes out, word of mouth, what reviews are coming out at that point, and then word of mouth sets in. Because at this point, that opening weekend will be the most 
people will see if it is is if it is as bad as it's going it, people think it will be then that's it all it takes is for everybody to go wow it is that bad nobody's going to go see it so it just slowly trickles down from that point so if it doesn't do i mean at least a comic book level i mean we're talking like batman superman anything marvel if it doesn't do that then it's done it is projected right now only do 35 to 40 million the first weekend that's that's not gonna cut it no not at all they they in for those of you at home that need to understand something these these movies nowadays are multi million dollar do you have the budget for this new movie yeah the budget for this one 154 million 154 million that's for them to break even they have to reach that number. Here, Deadpool that just came out had a had a what a budget of twenty, very low, I very agree. very low, and they did extremely well. On the flip side, Batman versus Superman did really well at the box office, but critically was panned and slammed and just did horribly. So it will be interesting to see when this movie comes out. If it is going to be, if Sony is going to say, we took a financial hit because it has happened. Studios have said this thing did not do as well as we thought it was going to do, and they had repercussions from it. And so it will be interesting to see what this movie does and what happens with it. Um, so you've got, you've got characters who are two-dimensional and who have no heart and who really are just poor imitations of the original crew. But then you have the writing in the story. And for those of you that are already privy to this, you already know just how bad it is. But it, again, it just it is confusing. It does not make sense. They bring in original things from the original movie and, and just kind of just throw it in there. It, it, Oh God, it's like a bad soup. <laughs> exactly, and it's just to to remind you of that they're they're piggybacking. So you remember, remember this is Ghostbusters, y'all. Remember this, remember this. This is what you like, like this. I know that everything else is new, but <laughs> remember that you like, yeah, you'll like this. There you go. Pay your pay another seven dollars. Come see it again. You know. it, it, I equate it to say say you like Superman. And you have uh, your dad get home and go, hey, you like that super guy here. And he throws a toy on your bed from a dollar store. And it's just this knockoff cheap super guy who's oh, yeah. got like, super guy. Who, who just, it just looks like it's broken already in the packaging. It, it just, it's a poor imitation of what it's supposed to be. And that's what this movie is. It's Bat Figure. Bat Figure Man. <laughs> Spider Dude. Uh, and his amazing friends. Um, the Hulk. The Hulk. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> we <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a whole superhero team <laughs> ready to go by the end of this. Ironed Man. <laughs> um, but you, if you plan on going see this, go and see it because you just want to see a movie. Don't go to see this under the inclination or the idea that I'm going to go see the new Ghostbusters. This in no way, shape, or form is the third Ghostbusters movie. 
the third Ghostbusters movie, if you want to see it, pick up the uh, Ghostbusters video game on sale on Steam or at your local retailer. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the third Ghostbusters movie. That written is... Written by Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, voiced by all of this original cat, even Bill Murray signed on to, to do some of the voice work on this game. Fun game to boot, but like they said, it was that story that they wanted to do all along in the video game itself. It's pretty much considered the third Ghostbusters movie at this point. Yeah. So the the story is is you've got... Uh, I really... So again, this, these are going to be minor, minor spoilers, but uh, you've got uh, Kristen Wiig, who is, I guess, this ghost author, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, or a person that has been shunned by the scientific community yes, for her belief in ghosts. but it's, it's kind of, it's also Melissa McCarthy's character's yes. fault. But no, she, she is essentially the Egon character of the, uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, you've got Kate McKinnon. Yeah, they kind of split yeah. the Egon character as far as those two characters. But let's not compare. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no comparison. But, um, and this, the whole plot of the movie is re- making fun of belief and what you believe in. Whereas the other movie established these things are real, and we need to approach it like a scientist would approach it. We are going to study these things, we are going to capture them, and we are going to contain them in order to research them. This movie is about punching ghosts in the face. It is about destroying them, which, you know, a lot of, it, it's, it's one of those things like, no, 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 we, we want to capture, we want to... Uh, we don't want to destroy these entities because it's very similar to, you know, the people that believe in the paranormal are probably equated to people that are um, animal lovers. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they're not equal, but this is still something in our world and it's not about destroying them. But here they're just, they're wiping them out. Busting makes me feel good, man. Just but, busting but, up ghosts. Yep. Just right in their groins. <laughs> just busting all over them. And, Producer Seth isn't just making a joke. At some point in this movie, uh, a male uh, version of a character um, has damage done to his genitals. And again, this is a movie, and we're not joking. This is this is dude busters. Um, this is a movie that every male character is either a creep, uh, a chauvinist, an idiot, um, a mean jerk. Um, you know, a, a very mean creature. Just every male role in this movie is is unworthy. It seems like. Um, and you know, and, and obviously we're um trying to 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 reach the end of our podcast for for timing reasons. But yeah. something the last thing we wanted I wanted to touch on is that again we're not saying any of this to get you to get anybody to not see the movie. We want to inform because there's basically going to be two kinds of people. There's either the fans of the old one that are not going to see this movie. And then there's everybody else. The people that were, that maybe have seen the original and are like, Hey, it's ghostbusters. Let's go check out another one. 
That's the people that I want to inform that if you saw the trailer and you and, and you and it made you laugh and you want to go see it, by all means, go see it. But if you are expecting anything close to the original movie, I'm telling you now, you're not going to get it. Yeah. You, if you want to know how bad this movie's going to be, mm-hmm. we were talking about review embargoes. And if you've never heard of that, um, film companies can put embargoes on reviews of their movie, meaning critics and pretty much anybody out there that gets to see the movie before it comes out cannot release their reviews until a set date. This movie's coming out Friday. It still has an embargo on the reviews. Another thing is that um, the people that do talk about it, like they, uh, they're allowed to kind of get on social media, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and say, cool, I'm going to an early showing of the Ghostbusters tonight. Uh, this is going to be great. Can't wait to see it. And then you'll see a tweet said, just saw the new Ghostbusters. Review comes out this date. That's it. That's it. Silence. They don't even allow them to say, wow, Ghostbusters was great. They don't allow them to say anything. How is that a correct way to promote your movie? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And they want to ensure that their opening box office weekend is not marred by um is not marred by people giving out negative reviews. And that's why we're doing this. The, the whole point of this of this podcast and this series is we're here to explain things. And the simple fact of the matter is if you don't like it, don't go see it. You vote with your pocketbooks. So if you say, oh, this is going to be bad, and you go see it on the sheer premise that this is going to be a bad movie, then all you're doing is you are help, you're helping perpetuate the problem. Um, you know, this is a very good example. Fantastic Four was r- critically just slammed. And Marvel fans that want to see these different characters that Fox owns, Fantastic Four uh, and the X-Men, they want to see them in the Marvel movies like Spider-Man, because Spider-Man is owned by Sony. Um, they, You go and you see the X-Men movies. So X-Men Apocalypse comes out critically, meh, but did really well. Fantastic Four did horribly at the box office. Because it just, the trailers were bad, the story didn't make sense. I really do correlate the Ghostbusters movie to Fantastic Four. And because it did so poorly, there is now a rumor mill saying that 20th Century Fox is in talks with Marvel. And because it did so poorly, Marvel may be getting Fantastic Four back. So if you want the right thing to happen, you can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to go see it. If you think, that this movie is going to be bad, prove a point, and wait. Just wait it out. Wait until Sunday. I'm not saying don't go see it if, you, if you're on the fence, like producer Seth was saying. I'm saying don't go see it the opening night if you're not sure. Wait. Get some reviews. See what people are saying. And if everyone is saying it's bad, you're not crazy. And I know people that have said, well, I'm going to go see it twice. 
I'm going to go see it because I'm going to help support this franchise. Well, if you're going to see it twice and not even know how the movie is, well, you're just ensuring that Hollywood is going to keep cranking out movies like this and diluting the the movie pool uh, so that movies like The Nice Guys and these other smaller movies, Swiss Army Man, and some of the movies that are critically doing really well will never be seen by anybody because they're not getting the money for marketing and uh, the support that movies like Ghostbusters gets. Yes, and you mentioned the word franchise. This is not... This is not the original franchise. This is a brand. You said it a while back. You said, you know, they they, orig- they originally marketed this as being, hey, four women. That's it. No, no, no. That You're half right. They went, four women. They're like, okay, a movie. Not only one lead role with a woman, but four. Four lead roles with a woman. How can we make that better? Well, it's branded. Ghostbusters. Huge brand. Everybody knows it. Stick that on there. That's all they did. That's yeah. all this movie is. It is a it is bridesmaids with a Ghostbuster sticker on it. Remember that. Ghostmaids coming to you this Friday. And it, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um. So yeah. So we went a little long, but this will probably be the length for these in the future. But this is the podcast, folks. Um, we're going to be doing this hopefully quite often. Um. You can follow my exploits. I'm going to uh, attach my Instagram, Twitter, and all of the identifying information uh, to the podcast when it goes up. I'm going to be joined by producer Seth, and hopefully I'll be joined uh, by some guests in the future, some friends, and maybe some people involved uh, with the things that we're talking about to interview them, get their input on it. Um, But we're going to be doing a little bit of research, and we'll be talking to you about the things that are being talked about And uh, we've got a lot of explaining to do in the future. So this is Alex Explains It All, and we will see you next time, folks. Uh, This has been Alex signing off. Take it easy.